Welcome to Badger Bigs, presented by the Varsity Collective, giving you inside access to some of the biggest figures in Wisconsin Badger athletics. Welcome to the Badger Bigs, presented by the Varsity Collective, the only podcast that highlights the joys of iconic Madison landmarks and brings you in-depth conversations with some of the biggest Badgers of today and generations past about life as a supersized athlete in their sports, on campus, and beyond. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, former Badger football player, Joe Thomas. And I'm Joe's co-host, former Badger women's basketball player, Annie Thomas. And for this podcast, we're proud to be partnering with the Varsity Collective, which is an NIL collective led and backed by University of Wisconsin alumni, former Badger student athletes like us, and Badger fans everywhere. The Varsity Collective's mission is to support current Badger student athletes on the field, in the community, and in life. And if you want to learn more and help support Badger student athletes, then visit thevarsitycollective.com and register for the newsletter. Today, we're excited to welcome a special Badger student athlete, men's basketball all-star forward Tyler Wall to the podcast. Yeah, and later on in the show, we're going to be joined by a true Badger big seven-footer former professional basketball player and coach, Richard Griffith. But for now, let's jump into our conversation. Now, our guest who's just about to come on right now, he's a guy that grew up in Lakeville, Minnesota, and decided to cross the St. Croix River into Wisconsin to commit and play his basketball career at Wisconsin. We've got Tyler Wall on the show. Tyler, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, Tyler, Joe and I were talking a little bit before the show about border battles, and you know that all Badger fans love a good border battle game across all of the sports. Now, being from Lakeville, Minnesota, you had your own personal border battle when you were deciding where to play in college. Were the Gophers even on your radar at all? And if so, why did Wisconsin win you over? Yeah, with me specifically, I grew up kind of being a little bit of a Badger fan, but also living in Minnesota, you'd go to Gopher games and stuff. Scandal. But my my oldest... (laughs) Yeah, my oldest sister actually played basketball at UW-Lacrosse. So it was like I was a little four-year-old, I think, when she was playing there. And they'd be hanging out with all the men's team, and they were all Badger fans. So it kind of got passed on to me. And ever since then, I've always been Wisconsin over Minnesota. Oh, now speaking of family and basketball all meshing as one, your father also played collegiately and then overseas professionally. Do you remember backyard games, garage door hoop games now with your dad and also with your sisters? And when was the first time that you ever remember beating any of them? Yeah, we always had some one-on-one battles, me and my dad, especially once I was getting a little bit taller. I think the first time I beat my dad was eighth grade and we were just playing out in the driveway late at night. But now the only game that I get out of him now is if we're playing in the pool uh, on the little little horse game in the pool. <laughs> going that easy, to going easy on his knees. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, yeah. that had to be a big moment sticking out in your mind the first time you can like beat your dad, especially being that your dad did play collegiately and played overseas in Germany. I'm just curious, like, who was that person for you growing up that was a big mentor that kind of got you into the game of basketball and showed you the love for the sport? Honestly, I would say it was my dad. Growing up with three older sisters, I remember being a little tight, going to all my sisters like little travel weekends and playing basketball with them. (laughs) So I was always on the sideline, um, running around. I had my toys on the bench and all that kind of stuff. So basketball's kind of always been there, always been around the game. I mean, I've always just 
had a love for it ever since I was little. I want to talk a little bit about you playing at Minnesota. Is that game at Williams Arena every year? Is that something you look forward to? Is that almost like a home game for you where your friends and family can come and watch? Yeah, I mean, that one's great. I know my mom is big in getting people to the games and she knows how to get tickets and all that kind of stuff. And I think the last couple of years, we've had a few hundred people that my mom goes out, buys a few extra tickets, and then we just get a big group. So before the game, she throws on a big party. And I know when we go in there, it's half the stadiums filled with Badger fans. So I always look forward to going into the barn and playing there. Now, speaking of emotions, this season has been a roller coaster for you with injuries and ups and downs of the season. Now, Joe and I also never had to deal with anything like what current student athletes are dealing with in the post-COVID world. Now, the game you just had at Northwestern had to be rescheduled due to COVID. How hard is that to mentally prepare for your season and then have this drastic change in this schedule? Is that difficult mentally for you? Um, yeah, like th I feel like this one was a little different. We've been playing a lot of road games and we've had a lot of injuries the last three weeks. So it's just been kind of different. It's hard to get in a rhythm. Like you said, like we didn't know when we were going to play up until I think Sunday, the game got announced that we were playing Monday. So we really didn't know what was going on when we we're going to play, but that just comes with the territory. You know, we're playing in the big time. We're playing every two, three nights when we just got to be ready, ready to play. One of my favorite things about playing games was it was always so loud that my coach couldn't yell at me from the sideline because <laughs> I couldn't hear him. And so he waited till they went over the sideline to cuss me out. But I imagine for you guys, when there's nobody in the arena, like you can hear everything the coach is saying from the bench, which is probably not always the case. Did you prefer when it was a little louder and the coach couldn't <laughs> talk to you when you're on the court or did you not mind it? Oh, 100%. Definitely love having a crowd on your side because then something happens and then the crowd makes a little noise and you just don't even think about looking over there. But when that's one of the only voices, you can't help it. Now, speaking of loud arenas, playing at the Kohl Center is the best. It really is. And with the DJ and now Area Red fans are coming back from Christmas break. What are some of your favorite moments from the Kohl Center in your four years there? Oh, shoot. There's, there's been so many. Purdue last year, that one was probably the best atmosphere I've ever played in front of. We had the student section, Area Red. They got there early. I think by the time I was walking in to shoot around, there was already a huge line. And we go in for a shoot around like five hours before the game and they were already out waiting. And that was the first time that's ever happened where I was like, wow, this is this is really going to be something. And that game did not disappoint with just the great basketball. And then to top it off with Chucky's half or banked in shot from three. That was pretty sweet. When you feel those environments becoming huge and you see those fans lining up early for a game and you walk into that arena and it's packed and the stands are absolutely going bonkers. The students are standing the whole game. Do you start to feel nervous? I've always wondered that because, you know, in football, we only play a handful of games a year. And so there were so few of them, you knew how important every single one of them is, but are you guys still having those nerves going into those games when you start feeling that atmosphere? Oh yeah. Um, well, I feel like every game's important. But when you get a good crowd and you know that it's going to be a pretty hyped up game, you definitely get a little bit more juice. I wouldn't say nervousness, but uh, you definitely get a little more excited. And there's definitely a little bit more on the line when you're playing a good team with big fans and a great environment. Now, I know you've talked a little bit about your time having to sit on the bench this year while you rested and let your ankle heal. It's always good to take a step back, observe your teammates, see how things are going. But how frustrating were those three games to watch and especially those losses in a row and not be able to control or change anything for your team i mean that was very difficult that was the first time where i've really been sitting out in the middle of the season with an injury i think i missed one game in high school and then i missed one game last year it was different 
sitting on the bench. It wasn't too difficult the first couple games because I knew I was going to be sitting out. But that third Indiana game, I feel like I definitely could have pushed it. I wouldn't have been at 100%, but I would have been out there. And that was a hard one because we definitely didn't play our best, got blown out a little bit. So that one sitting there, that one was probably the most difficult for sure. In what ways did you try to help your team even though you're on the sidelines? Like my last year in the NFL, I tore my tricep tendon. I missed the second half of the season and I tried to kind of put on a coaching hat, right? Because as the veteran on the team, I felt like this is the only way I can contribute. You're a senior. You obviously know so much being with Coach Guard for the last four years, being the veteran on the team. Like, how did you think of ways to try to contribute and do what you could, even though you couldn't have been out on the court with them? Right. I mean, yeah, you got to throw your coaching hat on. I tried to help the guys out, the guys who took my spot, like Carter Gilmore, some guys who weren't really playing a whole lot that had to step up, just kind of give them little bits here and there in timeouts. But along with that, everyone else is trying to tell them what's going on and try to tell them what to do. So <laughs> I didn't try to do too much, gave them a little pointers here and there. But for the most part, I was just trying to be positive. We do something here on Badger Bigs. We talk about your favorite spot on our campus. Now you've been here for four years. Where is your go-to spot on campus? What's your favorite hangout, favorite restaurant? Well, I got to give a shout out to the Nitty Gritty because we usually go there after the games. I don't know if that's my best spot if I want to go get some food, but that's definitely a spot where the team goes after the games. My favorite spot for food, I love breakfast. And uh, the little deli, like convenience store, McTaggart's might be my favorite spot. It's right on Langdon, and it's in like a little basement off in an alley. Oh, that's how you know it's going to be good. If it's in a basement, there's going to be good breakfast burritos there. Yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Coach Gard and you have been together now four years. What impact has he had on your basketball career, and what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from him? Coach Gard's been great. I mean, I got here, I think it was his third year coaching. I've just seen him just grow, I feel like, as a coach. Um, now he's in seven, six, seven, eight years. Every year, I feel like he's gotten better as a coach. Um, he's gotten great connecting with his players, and he's just a great X's and O's guy. Um, I feel like he's one of the best X's and O guys in the country, and there's so many things that he's taught me. I can't even think. I feel like from where I'm at now and where I'm at as a freshman, I'm a completely different person, and I just feel like going into practice every day and having your coach and just picking up on the little things that he says and the way that he approaches the game, I've picked up on a lot of it. And I feel like just my knowledge of basketball is the biggest thing that I've learned from him is the X's and O's of basketball and how to approach the game. Now, Coach Guard is also known for his charity work and with Guarding Against Cancer. And I know the Badger basketball team does a tremendous amount of charity work in the Madison community as well, and especially in the NIL era. I think it's a huge benefit that you can now select causes and organizations that are really important to you personally. What's a charity or cause that you are really embracing this year? Well, a lot of the things that I really like to do is with little kids. I went out to the Boys and Girls Club, and I dropped off a whole bunch of toys, hung out with the kids a little bit. So uh, I really like hanging out with the little kids and doing that kind of stuff for sure. Yeah, besides the charity work that you guys do, is there anything that you like to get into? Do you have any passions once basketball gets put aside and you get a little bit of free time? Um, yeah, I love, I love like going out on the lake. Last year, we'd go fishing a little bit. Oh. Late at night, we, I don't know if we're supposed to do this or not, but we, <laughs> as long we as you had your fishing license, I think you're all right, son. Yeah, we <laughs> went out um, on the terrace late night, and me, Carter Hagenbottom, and my other roommate, we uh, went fishing and we picked up some walleye off the uh, terrace. Nice. We won't 
give out the exact date, but was that spring fishing? Was it summer? Was it fall? Like, what time of year should I be ready with yeah, my right. fishing pole down there at the terrace at night for that night bite? You know how cold it gets up here, so and I'm not usually a fan of standing out in the cold. So uh, it's definitely got to be a little warm for to get me out uh, fishing and casting some lines. Along with that, another thing we do is last year we played on the intramural softball team. Oh, yes. We made an intramural awesome. softball team. So that's another thing that we like to do. Um, were you we guys started that good? up last year. Did you win? Yeah, we were good. We got second. But oh. The, oh. the team we lost to had club baseball team players. So that's, oh. the, that's, that's what we're saying. Yeah. yeah. So it's funny you mentioned that because there was a group of football guys my freshman year that we played in the surf on in the rec basketball league. And we took second as well. We lost by one point in the finals. <laughs> and to this day, it still crushes my soul. And then after that, we realized like how stupid that probably was to play basketball yeah. because unlike softball, there's actually a lot of injuries if you're a big, fat, slow football player <laughs> trying to go run up and down the court and relive your high school glory days playing basketball. But if for any chance there was some Badger fans out there that wanted to catch your softball team playing, where <laughs> would we have to go to watch this yeah. endeavor? They're at the uh, the turf fields right over by the new rec center and the, nice. the dorms over there. So. Yeah, in the springtime, if you see a whole bunch of people out there swinging the bats, hopefully it's us. And <laughs> a bunch of six, nine guys swinging bats. Yeah. yeah. What size bats yeah. do you guys have to have? Do you have to have a special order of your bats for the softball league? <laughs> well, shoot, we were kind of the bad news bears last year. We didn't have bats, so we had we had like four gloves. We had to we had to ask everyone if they had some extras. I know you guys are really excited for the stretch run here, the Big Ten tournament, and then NCAA tournament. But you personally, being a senior, obviously. At some point, you're going to have to start thinking about what comes next and what do you think it's going to look like for you once the season is over? Yeah. Um, well, my plan right now is I'm going to go after the season, go out, do draft stuff, kind of figure that out. And depending on how all that stuff goes, I do have a fifth year. So depending on how it goes, I'll make a decision then if I come back or not, and then just take it with that. I'm taking it day by day right now. My mind's going to change a thousand times if I'm going to come back or not. So just play it day by day and take what's ever given to me. But right now, I'm focused on the Wisconsin Badgers and what we need to do here. I know on behalf of all of Badger Nation, we hope that you come back for that fifth year, that COVID <laughs> year. But it's absolutely important for you to make the best decision for yourself and come back. I mean, to make the best decision <laughs> with whatever that looks like for you personally, Tyler Wall. Big thank you for coming on the Badger Vicks podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, Tyler. And now we have the distinct pleasure of being joined by one and only a true Badger basketball icon, Richard Griffith. Richard, thanks for being on the show with us today. No, oh, thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Now, I didn't really know a whole lot about what it was like for you when you were growing up playing high school in Chicago, but before this show, I did a little bit of research and I learned that you played in the Chicago Public League, which I imagine had some pretty good basketball growing up in the 80s and 90s. You ended up going on to be named Mr. Basketball in Illinois, got recruited by everybody in the country, were the number one rated big man in high school, and then you broke your mom's heart and you chose Wisconsin over her preference of Purdue. What was that situation like when you told your mom that you want to be a Badger and you don't want to be a Boilermaker? My mom, she gave me one rule, one final no, and she was like, you can't go to Illinois. That was it. She was like, you can't go to Illinois. <laughs> she was like, you can go anywhere in the country. I will follow you, but you're not going to Illinois. 
And I'm like, okay. She told my, she told me that in front of my coach, um, Coach Landon Cox, may he rest in peace. She told him that in front of us together. And I chose Wisconsin over Purdue, Ohio State, Georgetown, Duke, North Carolina, where I'm from. I don't know if they said this in what you read, but basketball moved me from the inner city of Chicago when I was in grade school or middle school to when it's time to go to high school. Every school that I, district that I was in, they would literally call the Board of Education because they wanted me to play for their school because I had the Julian oh High School, God. Eisenhower High School. I had to pass by like a two or three high schools in order to get to my high school. So when they found out that I was in their district, their whole thing was he's supposed to be playing for our school, and it was this big blow up. And my mom was like, look, what do you want to do? I said, Mom, if I go to one of those other schools, I'm not going to play basketball. I said, I followed my grammar school coach, who got, Coach Benny Parrott, who got me to playing basketball, got me involved, got me loving the game. So I went to King High School because he was the JB coach, and I went to go play for him. And the Board of Education kept calling, kept calling. My mom was like, what are we going to do? I said, well, I, I told you my, my final. I'm not going. If I go to one of those schools, I'm not playing. So we moved to the projects. So we moved from the hundreds to the suburbs, finally. And within, this is all within a year and a half span. And then finally to the Ida B. Wells, which is on 35th and Rose, not too far from the White Sox Stadium. But it's a project it's called Ida B. Wells. And my high school, Ida B. Wells is on 35th. My high school was 10 blocks away on 45th and Drexel. So basketball literally moved me around and literally changed not just my life, but my family's life as well. But I was blessed to have a mother and father and brother and sister that supported me. Obviously, your parents and your family was a huge part of what made you successful in basketball and life, but also through high school. Did you have a mentor or anybody that really like took you under their wing and kind of showed you the game when you were a kid in Chicago? Actually, the guy, my coach, Vinnie Perry, who got me started. So what he did was I was eighth grade and I was 6'9". I grew seven, oh. I grew five inches over the summer. I was 6'4", going into my <laughs> seventh grade year. I didn't grow any during my seventh grade year, but then the summer between seventh and eighth grade, I grew five inches to six oh nine. Oh my gosh. And I was a bean bowl, of course. And still learning. My seventh grade year was actually my first year I played ball. Wasn't good. My eighth grade year is when I decided to uh, focus down and um, get get focused on the game. And then what Coach Parrott did is during the summers, and Joe, you might understand this about being a former professional athlete, Terry Cummins, Tim Hardaway, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, all of these NBA players, they would go to different locations and have pickup games. LeClaire Courts was one of them. Carver High School was one of them. Malcolm X College was another one. And so my coach took me as a, not even a 14-year-old kid, and literally put me out there with the wolves <laughs> and like, go, go, go Good figure luck. it out. Wow. So I was 6'9", but I was the same height as Terry Cummins. And TC was 6'9", 270, solid muscle, NBA All-Star. He did not take it easy on me. <laughs> He did not take it easy on me at one bit. So I would say I had several people. I mean, I was a honor and privilege, a blessing to be able to play and be out there with some of the best to play the game, and including what I consider to be the best, which is Michael Jordan, to be out there listening to them and getting tutelage from them from the 13 years old and understanding what it takes, what I'm going to have to do and go through if I want to ever get to that level of play. It was a lot of sacrifice that needed to be made, and I learned early. So I so I would say I had a lot of great mentors coming up in my life and in my day when um not just my high school coaches, but 
being able to play against NBA All-Stars and be around people who I idolize from an early age. So I've always played up. I never played with anybody my age besides when we played high school games in college. Now, a lot of college freshmen, they come in, they're awestruck and, you know, there's a little bit of nerves. I mean, were you totally prepared for your freshman year at Wisconsin with these pickup games? I was prepared to play. I had gave myself a goal. I was told by several people, they was like, if you can visualize yourself playing in the NBA, doing the things that you want, the goals that you want to obtain, then you can achieve those. So what I did is um, my freshman year, and I had it on the, I said, always lead the Big Ten in rebounds, lead the Big Ten in blocks, average a double-double, get the badges back to the incident of tournament. Every morning I woke up to the right on my wall, I lived in the region apartments, and I seen this list. Upon waking up, I hit the floor, 100 push-ups, 100 squats with my body weight, sit-ups. Then I started my day, whether it was going to individual instruction or getting ready to go right to class. I gave myself a goal, and my goal was to be a professional athlete in two years. I was like, okay, I got Tracy for one year, I got Mike for two years. Then after that, when I seen around me, it was just like, okay, I don't know how far we're going to go. Trying to build something here, want to keep it going. And through a monkey wrench and everything is that Stu left to go back to the NBA. Stan took over. If Stan Van Gundy would have stayed, I probably would have stayed my junior year. But if I would have literally had three coaches in three years, Stu, Stan, and then my third year would have been Dick Bennett. I was totally prepared as far as the basketball skills, that stuff, yes. The weight room portion of it, <laughs> I was not prepared for that. Yeah, your debut as a freshman went down in the history books. 27 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals. Pretty impressive for a big man to have 3 steals. Must have used the long arms for that one. And a couple of block <laughs> shots. But I'm curious, you mentioned Stu Jackson. Like, How important was he in your decision to become a Wisconsin Badger? Because you mentioned Michael Finley, Tracy Webster, another couple Badger legends who came out of Chicago but Stu Jackson, he's one of those coaches where you wonder, like, how much influence did he have bringing in recruits and how important was he to your own experience and why you decided to be a Badger? I would say he was the second most important part of me being a Badger. The first part is the two people that you just mentioned, Mike and Tracy, and then I can't forget about my brother Howard Moore. They are the reasons that I particularly came to Wisconsin. Even the schools that I chose to go visit. That's why I didn't go visit North Carolina, Duke, or Ohio State. I wanted to go somewhere where I knew somebody that I can trust in terms of showing me the lay of the land. At Wisconsin, I had Mike, Tracy, and Howard. Purdue, I had Glenn Robinson, Conzo. At Michigan, I had Juwan, C-Web, Jay Rose. I had that crew because we played together during the summer, and we built relationships and bonds. Of course, the guys from Chicago, like Juwan and Mike Fitt, we played on the summer league. That's just how we stayed out of trouble. Tim Ray started a group called the um, Support Group. And in order for us to participate in playing the summer league, they had an NBA Summer League, which is the one they played on. Then we had a college one. And the college one was high school and college athletes mixed in together. In order for us to play during the summer, during the weekends, we had to go to ACC or SAT prep classes on Saturdays before the games. And we had to sign up and sign in. If we didn't, we couldn't play. So that's one of the reasons, another blessing, that I passed my ACT and I was able to play my freshman year. But I chose schools that... I was going to go somewhere where somebody can be able to show me the lane that I need to be in, but also hold me accountable and keep me in place. Because I was, back then, I was a young rebel at that point in time. <laughs> so I needed to be reeled in. You know, the main person that could reel me in was my mom, of course. But when she wasn't around, I needed people that I respected enough to be like, no, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do. 
it was one of those things that I knew me, I know me, and it was just like, okay, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to move? I need somebody that's going to get, just pretty much just get my butt and tell me like, look, big fella, this is what you need to do, not where your head is going. Yeah, so you're a seven-footer coming from Chicago, from the projects of Chicago to Madison, Wisconsin. You got your boys, you got Michael Finley, Howard Moore, Tracy Webster that are there kind of supporting you and your transition. But what was that transition like? Because the environment at Madison is probably way different from what you had in high school. How much did you lean on those guys as your support group and and how was that impactful and important about the lifelong relationships that you had with those teammates? It was very important. The main thing about that is is like I was helping them, especially to, I came from a winning program, grammar school, high school, everybody said the same thing, like, why did you, why Wisconsin? I still get that question today, believe it or not, Andy Joe. I still get that question, they were like, why did you choose Wisconsin? Why didn't you go here? Why didn't you go there? People are still mad at me because I chose Wisconsin over like, or Purdue or Ohio State and all these things, but this was something bigger. It wasn't about me. Coach Jackson and Trey and Finn and Duck sold me on the vision of, doing something that will last a lifetime. And that doing something was coming here, buying in to the process of getting the Badgers back on the map nationally as a basketball program. And Coach Jackson told me point blank, it will be because of you, Richard, in terms of your national ranking, your national exposure, and your ability to dominate and do what you do can help us put Wisconsin basketball back on the map. Is this something that you're willing to do and to be part of. And I was like, yes. So that's what sold me right there. I don't like stuff that don't get me wrong. We all like stuff easy, but I believe that when you, when you're able to work hard for something and then you achieve your goals, it means more. It's more gratified. You get more. And so that's what, that's, that's what it was for me. And so me coming here, so I'll tell you a funny story. When I went and you could tell me how it was for you, Joe. So it was always a football game, right? Oh yeah. Recruiting, oh, yeah. Right? Big atmosphere. So, this was back when you can walk through the field house and get in the Camp oh. Randall. You remember <laughs> oh, that? Yeah. They had a door where you can walk through the field mm-hmm. house and you can go through there, right? They rushed me through the field house so fast. I'm talking about the curtains was drawn. <laughs> I seen the floor. They opened up a curtain. I seen the floor. This is the stadium you be playing in. Closed it. We went off to the football game. <laughs> it wasn't until years later that I figured out they rushed me through the field house because they didn't want me to see how the field house was, it, it's not like it is now, I need the renovations, but compared to yeah. Michigan's arena, sure. Purdue's arena, and all these other arenas, they were like, we cannot let him see that because he won't come <laughs> here because of the arena. <laughs> and I was just like, that was the last thing for me because how I am is wherever I'm at, I'll make that home. Me playing overseas and, and third world countries and just have to give me a house to lay my head, allow me to do what I need to do, I, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I don't, I mean, my upbringing, my background, I'm upgrade bringing has taught me to be able to thrive in any environment that I'm in. So I wasn't worried about the gym, but they were. They didn't want me to see that, but um, I'm glad Wisconsin chose me. I'm glad they bet on me. I'm glad my teammates bet on me. And you mentioned something a little while ago, talking about we still friends right now to this day. We're still brothers. I'm over there. Matter of fact, I just got back from uh, getting Howard out of bed and getting them up for the day. And now you did end up leaving for the NBA after your sophomore year, but you did have serious thoughts of going into the draft after your standout freshman season. Who did you confide in or lean on when you were making those decisions and what ultimately kept you back for your sophomore year? It was always my mom for the most part. My mother was my my rock, she was my everything. And we had a very rare, 
We had our mother-son bond, but we had a friendship as well. I could go talk to my mother literally about anything. And her only non-negotiable was, hey, you tell me the truth, you never lie to me, and you always protect your family. And that was the bottom line. And I knew if I did something wrong, she called me by my whole government name and not my nickname, <laughs> I knew I was in trouble. She called my nickname, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm good. good, I'm good. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lack of players that I see just from when I was in the NFL my last few years that have people that they can trust and confide in and that they respect their opinion on things. You see too many people these days that are not willing to take good advice because they don't trust anybody but themselves. And it's so great sure. having somebody sure. in your life. Like you said, your mom was that person that would always tell you the truth, just like she promised you would tell her. And they would always give you great advice, even if maybe sometimes you didn't always exactly see why in that moment, like you would figure it out as you went down that path. And one of the paths that you've gone down recently is being named the Middleton Girls High School Coach, which Annie and I are very excited about. We've got three daughters that are in the Middleton School District. They're very young, so no pressure for sticking around <laughs> for a long, long time because uh, our youngest is four years old, but she is going to be very tall and very aggressive. So you won't have to worry about that yes. with uh, our <laughs> four-year-old. Um, but I'm curious, as a first-time high school girls coach, what is something that maybe you've learned this season about coaching high school girls that you didn't expect or you didn't know going into this season? Joe and Eddie, to be perfectly honest with you, I've never had intentions on being a coach. And reason being, I would train, I would get in the gym with them, I'd be a mentor. But seeing Howard be a head coach, seeing Greg be a head coach, Stan be a head coach, and all my coaches, and of course those are the higher levels because that's college. But then um, it's a lot that goes into it. And the, the responsibility aspect of it is that how my pastor told me, Pastor Rod told me like this, he said, you got 17 daughters now. <laughs> and the way they have grown on me, they've changed me. Mm -hmm. They've changed me because Mr. Sims came to me and asked me, he's like, hey, might have a coaching position opening up soon. Is it something you might be interested in? Now, he didn't say it was girls right off the bat. <laughs> he just said a coaching position. So he knew I'm a basketball player. Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. So I was like, hmm. Next thing I know, he tells me it's the girls. And he told me, he said, I think it'd be a good look for you, and I think these girls would rally around you. And so did the interview. He had um, two of my captains, Audrey and Addie, in the um, interview process. And I just kept it real. I was me, and I just kept it real. And then that same day, actually, he said, I'll give you a call back within a week. He called me back that same day and asked me if I could come back to the office. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I come back in. He tell me, he's like, yeah. I'm just going to offer you the job because it was unanimous. Everybody, the wow. girls, everybody that was in the room was like, we going to grip. That's awesome. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm a head coach. And now my life, my life was like, okay, changing again. So to give you understanding what I mean by that, and I tell the girls, I'm honest with them. Like, like I'll be talk, talking about right now, being honest, I tell them I'm non-negotiables. Focus on practice, focus in games. You can have fun, do your work because you're a student athlete first. And... I let them have fun. I take them to Badger games. I support them in what they want to do. I let them have fun. I don't just make practice just something where it's like a military camp. I let them have input on the practice plans and all these things. And I know it's my first year, but the impression they made me because my days are not my days. And what I mean by that, I get up in the morning, I come here, I come early. Some of the girls want to come get shots up in the morning or work on their game. I leave here, I go get Howard up. So remember what happened with Howard, right, Joe? Y'all remember what happened? So Howard still needs assistance getting up. 
getting out of the bed into his chair. So I physically pick him up and put him in his chair, me and his son or me and um, Pops. And like today, I had to take him to the hospital. He had an appointment at the hospital. I take him to his appointments. I'm on call 24-7, like I'm a doctor, in case he needs to go somewhere or in case Pops needs to go somewhere, a drill. And then this came about. I thought it was going to turn my life upside down, but it didn't. It gave me even more purpose. And it keeps me going. So they, they don't know this, but they keep me going. They keep me going. They keep me focused. It gives me something to do when I'm sitting up there at night. Instead of flipping through the TV, besides when we're playing, I'm sitting up there watching games. Like we play Sun Prairie West on Friday. So I'm like, hey, we're going to win this game. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm preaching it now. Finding something on, on, on the internet that I'm looking at. I'm like, I, they need motivation. They need to hear this too. And I send it to them. But the fact that they're receptive and open to doing that, it just makes me want to dig in even more. And I'm always going to bat for them and fight for them. But those are my girls. I'm curious, like, as you're trying to lead these girls down the right path and like instill proper values and commitment and loyalty, for you, you decided recently to go back to Wisconsin and finish your degree. Why was that important to you? Because my grandma's always bugging me about finishing my degree. And I'm like, ah, I got so many things going on. But clearly it was something that was important. It was meaningful to you beyond just the piece of paper that you get as a degree. I promise my mother and I promise your former coach Coach Alvarez, that I would come back and get my degree. This is before Coach was, he was still a coach. He wasn't even the AD or anything. And he asked me, I was 17 years old, and he asked me, he said, hey, I know you're not going to be here long, but I'm going to ask you a question. I want your honest answer. And he asked me, when you get through with your professional endeavors and so forth and so on, I want you to come back and get your degree. Because that's one thing that they can never take from you is your education. And he said, and the point blank, he told me, he says, being a minority, being a black man, he said, I think that's very important. I tried to come back, but people don't know, I tried to come back while I was playing. But at the time, back then, they didn't have an online class like we have now, where I can take them abroad and do all these things or whatever. So I literally had to wait till I played 17 years. I retired when I was like 36, and I came back when I was 43 to get my degree. Was it easy? No. Was it worth it? Yes. Yes. I love that story. And I'm glad I'm I'm glad I was able to inspire like I talked to Monty Ball. Rod Day, me and Rod were doing our getting finishing up ours at the same exact time. And it's this stigma out there with a lot of former colleagues, Joe, basketball, football, all sports, that they had this thing where they like feel like Wisconsin did them wrong. And I tell them all the time, I say, I understand you on that. But those coaches or whatever environment that it was that was around when you went through those things, they're not in place anymore. So what's stopping you? You're letting some ill will that you had for a person stop you from bettering yourself. The, the, I mean, I've talked to people trying to get them to come back to get their degrees, and they're just so stuck in being bitter and stuff like that. I'm just like, look, the only person you're hurting is yourself. It's there for you to go and get. Wisconsin has a program where they bring you back and if you were a former scholarship athlete, the NCAA has a program where if you were a full scholarship athlete, you can come back at any age and get your degree under the scholarship that you had before you left. And I tell them, so I said, there's no excuses, but everybody's full of excuses. So I'm just like, I'm just trying to help people try to lead by example when it got mine. So hopefully, Joe, you'll be next on the list. I was That's just right. going to say, I I you're going to get that. a strongly worded email from Joe's grandmother explaining her thank you <laughs> so much, Richard. <laughs> tell you why, why it's... Very important. Yeah. So that's yeah. awesome. Well, it's been awesome having you on the show. I got one more question for you. It seems like it's been really important for you to reach out 
to the former Badger athlete community and help those guys be the mentor that some of those guys need. Why do you think that's so important to you to put on that mentor hat and to reach out to the brotherhood of former Badgers, bring those guys back and get things sometimes when they're not headed in the right direction, headed in the right direction, get them that Badger Wisconsin degree. That's what was done for me. So Howard Moore, even when he was the coach at UIC in um, Chicago, he sat there and he kept on telling me before I retired, he said, when you still getting your degree. So I'm a God-fearing man. So God's plans, we don't know what, what, what those plans are. You can only go alone for the ride when it comes. So literally, may she rest in peace, Jen, his, his wife, my sister. She sat there one day. She gave me two weeks because she know me. She gave me two weeks. She's like, you have two weeks to get your stuff together. This is when Bo resigned and Greg had took over. But then they gave Greg the full job and he wanted to bring Howard back. So they were getting the house built and all these things, getting themselves together. In the midst of them doing all this stuff, they didn't lose me in the shuffle. He's that big fella. You coming to finish your degree. Jen literally sat there. She's like, I got to come to Chicago on this date in two weeks. Have your SHIT packed at the door. I'm getting a big truck. I'm coming to get you. You can have the basement in our house. I'm like, I'm not going to come stay in your house and y'all just moving in. I said, no, y'all got to enjoy. I was the one making excuses <laughs> on why not to come and why not to finish when I didn't have any. And she didn't accept it. She literally showed up at my, at my brother's door <laughs> two weeks later to that day and sat there and was like, I'm ready. And she was serious. But my stuff was packed. I knew she was serious. My stuff was packed at the front door. And I'm a person that until stuff I know for sure is going to happen, I don't like to speak on it. I rather for it to manifest and then come to fruition. And it's like right in front of me or in my hands or whatever the case may be before I, I start counting my blessings. So I literally came up here. It took me to the Nebraska game when they had the noose incident. That's when I talked to Coach Alvarez. And even doing all that stuff, Coach just lined everything up for me, lined all my ducks in a row for me and got me solid. And I started, moved up here November 16th of 2016. I moved up to back to Madison. And I've been here ever since. And I started school in January 17th of 2017. I started school. Was it hard? Yes. Was it an adjustment? Yes. Did I have a lot of help? Yes. And it taught me several things. One, don't be afraid to ask for help. I learned I was better this go around at going to school than I was at my first go around. My first go around was I was just trying to stay eligible so I could play basketball. Just being honest, it, that, it is what it is. I knew what my goal was. And at that point in time in my life, it was not my education. It was me trying to find a way to provide for myself and my family in the future. After I retired, priorities change. We had to go back and get my degree. So. I can put myself on better foot. And there was a young man that actually challenged me because he said, you always talking about education. When are you going to go back and get your degree? I went and got one back and got my degree. I said, you know what? I'm going to fix that. And I did. I was asked that question in 2015. 2016, I moved. 2017, I started the process. That's an awesome story. I love hearing about people that are committed to finishing what they started. And it's pretty obvious there's a lot of former Badgers out there in the Badger athlete community that are benefiting from your mentorship. So... Thank you for that, Richard. Thanks for being on the podcast with us. That's been a true joy for Annie and I and hope to see you at some more Middleton games. I know Annie took the girls to a game a couple weeks ago and you guys won, so congratulations for that too. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate both of you, everything that y'all done and you're doing. Look forward to y'all continuing to support the program and I look forward to having those girls in my program one 
Before you know it, they'll be 12, uh, 13 years old. So you, you already, you already know before Watch you have them into practice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, man. All right, thank y'all. Thank Appreciate you so much it. for sharing. Have a great day. Thanks, Griff. Thank y'all. Have a good day. Thank y'all. I want to say a big thank you to Tyler and Richard for joining us on the show today. And thanks to all of you for listening to Badger Biggs, presented by the Varsity Collective. I'm Joe Thomas. And I'm Annie Thomas. And remember to stay tuned for the next episode. And in the meantime, learn how you can get involved with the Varsity Collective and support Badger student-athletes at thevarsitycollective.com. And to stay in the loop on the latest updates, make sure to subscribe to the newsletter. We'll see you next time.